You're listening to Stand Out with Ian O'Connell. Wednesday evenings from 8pm here on Radio Kerry. You're very welcome to the show tonight. I hope I find you well. I'm delighted to say that my guest on Stand Out with me, Ian O'Connell, this week is Joanne O'Reardon. Joanne is an Irish activist and sports journalist who contributes to the Irish Times. From Mill Street in County Cork, she is one of seven currently living people who were born with the condition Tetra Amelia Syndrome. She has addressed the United Nations and discussed technology with the Massachusetts Institute of Technology and Apple. She was named Person of the Year in both 2012 and 2013. Sit back and enjoy the show. No, delighted to be on. It's an honour to be on. I know you're very busy man and you've got some amazing guests lined up so glad I'm one of them even though I don't think I'm as cool as some of them <laughs> uh, you are you are don't worry how are you keeping all during COVID how are all the, the family and stuff all good yeah everything was good now yeah it was um, I think it was just a total like restart in a way um, you know I had been booked for RT to do a lot of their um, their coverage for the Paralympics you know and different things like that so I was constantly kind of training away um you know, to, 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 to do all those things. And I remember when the Paralympics was officially postponed, I remember feeling like so sad as if I was like an athlete going who'd like dedicated all my life. And I was like, come on, Joanne, like it's not that traumatic. Um, but yeah, it wasn't too bad. I think the first, the first kind of four or five months were like a bit novel, you know, you were like, this is kind of funny. Um, and then all of a sudden it kind of just, you know, you just were getting a little bit frustrated, you know, things kind of couldn't be done. And you know, I was very fortunate, obviously, in the Irish Times, they were very flexible with, you know, what 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 I needed to do. And, yeah. you know, obviously, they knew sport wasn't on. So they just gave me free will to interview, like yourself now, whoever I suppose I wanted. Um, and I was just so delighted with that opportunity because it was something I've always wanted to do. And I think just given the constraints of, you know, the sporting schedule in, in general, I couldn't kind of deviate out of what I usually do. Um, so it was nice. It was nice to get that opportunity. It was nice to, to see what else I was doing. Um, and I think by the second and third kind of lockdown, really, like I was back at work. So I didn't really have the second and third lockdown like everyone yeah. else. Um, I can remember the third one specifically. Um, I was in Dublin um, working with um, RT for the, swim, uh, for the swimming trials because um, they were running Olympic trials for the swimming. And it was just so strange because it was me in the hotel with boxers who were training to go to Tokyo <laughs> and swimmers who were training to go to Tokyo and just little old me in the middle of it. And I was there for a week solid. Um, and I was back at that hotel two weeks ago and just the cleaning lady was like, oh, you're back. And I you're was back. like, yeah, I was like, it's so strange, like seeing people walking around the hotel. Mad, isn't it? Yeah, it's crazy. Even but- going into shops now, like seeing people, you know, without masks. I was in the last day and I had a mask on and I felt like I was a bold little child if I took off the mask. Yeah, for know, sure. Was- like, for sure. Like, I, I'm the same, like, as you're like, I'll just, I'll just mask up because, like, as I was saying, someone like of a couple of spots anyway. So, like, it's handy to, like, mask those entirely. Um, and uh, on the flip side, like, when you're at games and stuff, like, it keeps your nose warm, especially the evening games. Um, I used so to have mine on, yeah. Everywhere I I'm used to go. Yeah, happy to. I, and I, also, like, people can see you, like, mumbling under your breath, like, if someone's, like, annoyed you. Like, especially, like, if you're in a wheelchair, like, and someone's, like, crossed over you or, like, someone's hit off your chair. Like, they can see you under can't them, see like, you. mumbling away. <laughs> <laughs> That's the flip side. Um, I suppose the, the point of the show is to go back, say, from the... To start to I don't want to focus the interview totally on on disabilities and stuff because I, as well as you know and myself we we talk enough about that but 
just for people that don't know, do you want to bring it back to to the start of your life? When what what condition? What do you have? Yeah, so I was born on the 24th of April, um, 1996. Um, and I suppose I was born with a rare condition known as total amelia, meaning I was born without all of my limbs. So my parents didn't know until nine weeks before I was born that I was going to be born the way that I was. Um, I have four older siblings, um, which people I don't think realize. People know I have one, um, but the other three seem to not exist. Um, I have four older siblings. I'm the youngest by eight years. Um, so I suppose really... Um, you know, a lot of my siblings had kind of grown up, you know, like my eldest brother, Dennis, he was 15, you know, when I was born. Um, and it's funny because we're the closest, um, like, like mentally, I suppose. And, and, you know, we just get on really, really well. Um, so, yeah, I suppose it was obviously a bit of a shock to the system there. But, you know, they had other children, too, that they had to support, you know, and I suppose, you know, still take to matches or still take to drama classes or school or, you know, whatever else was going on. So, yeah, even though I was born the world technically didn't stop for me. Um, my siblings were always encouraged to treat me the exact same as they treat, you know, anyone else. So I was the victim of a couple of WWE moves from tombstone pile drivers to Batista bombs um, to everything in between. And I suppose when I was born, um, there was nothing really like set up, you know, for my parents, you know, they were just kind of let at it really like, um, you know, and I suppose in a way it could have been a good thing for them because it meant they had to just experience life as it was, you know, rather than have all the supports and then have it, you know, taken off them, you know, kind of bit by bit, they were just thrown in the deep end. Yeah. Um, and also like we're had to cater, you know, for other siblings, my other siblings as well. Um, so yeah, about six days old, I was brought out to my first Gaelic football match. Um, everyone was really fascinated, you know, by the girl with no limbs. And then I'm sure once the game, once the ball was thrown in, everyone forgot about me then. Um, but uh, yeah, I suppose I was always treated, you know, like everyone else. And I suppose my parents never shied away from the fact that I was different. I suppose like I'm very physically different. So you're going to notice that anyway, the second you meet me. Um, and I think that's totally fine. Um, I'm you know, I, we're we're both very curious people. If I see anyone with any form of a difference, like I'm staring immediately. I'm the which same, is, yeah. You know, yeah, and I like I can understand why people with disabilities hate that, like absolutely. But you know, I know it comes from a place of curiosity because that's where it comes from for me anyway. Yeah, um, definitely. You know, it was like you know, when I first heard of your story, Ian, like automatically I was like, oh my god, like what are the sports he's going to need? Like what's he going to do? You know, like this yeah, is so yeah. interesting. And everyone was like, Joanne, you can't say that. And I was like. I'm sure Ian wouldn't care. Like, I'm sure he's, you know, happy enough to answer some cues or whatever. Um, but I think, it, as, as I was saying, it just comes from a place of curiosity and intrigue, I suppose, from my end. And I suppose really from my perspective, if um, I'm not saying if we don't help break down the barriers, but because we're so open and we're so proud of it and, and we don't really care, we know it's only 1% of our lives or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it, it helps encourage people then to have the conversations and hopefully would help break down the barriers for other people who don't specifically want to have the conversation, which is understandable as well. But yeah, I'm basically mad into sport. Um, I knew sport was obviously always going to be a humongous part of my life um, growing up, especially having four siblings who were all Ireland champions or, you know, footballers with county medals, you know, junior B, um, different things like that. I'd still also like to point out I'm the only O'Riordan with an all-star. Um, yeah, the Ladies Gaelic Football Association gave me an all-star. I'm still not sure for what. But I took it and it's like in pride of place. My brother's county medal has nothing on this all-star. Shoves um, it away. 
Exactly. And funnily enough, I'm actually the only like out of there's, you know, seven, including my parents. And if God forbid anyone was to fall into a river or a swimming pool, I'm actually the only one who could save you because I'm the only one my parents uh, brought to a swimming pool and was thrown into a pool and they were like, off you go, do your thing. Um, so, yeah, I'm the only one who can swim. Yeah, yeah. People find that really amusing. That's I don't amazing. think it's very like uh, encouraging if you are drowning and I'm the only one who can go in and save you. But sure, look, someone has to go in and save you. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So, uh, yeah, um, as I said, sports obviously a humongous part of my life. I knew I couldn't play. That was never an issue for me. Um, I think it's quite obvious, you know, that I couldn't play. I'm still very competitive. Don't get me wrong. Um, so I suppose on my end, I was always interested in kind of the people in sport and like why they were in sport and what they were doing in sport, like, you know, like yourself. Um, yeah. And I suppose I was just adding that curiosity, being like, why would you dedicate like 35 hours a week, you know, to intercounty training, you know, to win an All-Ireland with Kerry? Like, what's all that about? Um, I just found it incredibly interesting. And I think, you know, um, you know, my job, which is being a sports writer with the Irish Times, gives me the yeah. outlet to you know, try it, you know, get to in, explore, interview other people. And I think, I think really, Ian, what I've noticed with everyone that I've interviewed and across women in sport, racism in sport and all the stuff that I've done is that we all just want a fair crack at life and we all want a fair go at it. And we all want an equal opportunity and equal access to the facilities. Um, and I think that's something I can relate to all the time and something you definitely would relate to as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's basically where I come from. That's basically everything about my life. Um, I suppose honorary mention, I am an honorary life member to Killarney Legion, which I think a lot of people don't understand. I don't understand it. Um, Wishy Fogarty asked me to come across to give a talk to the football club after James O won uh, his footballer of the year. And then I was surprised with the membership. Um, Boy, which that's all started. I don't know if it was like, like, as I always say to them, like if I murdered someone, I would get less time in prison. Um <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what I've done in the past life, but here I am, Killarney Legion Abu, Legion Abu, intermediate football all the way. <laughs> Very good. And you're only, um, I remember in an interview, I think it was with um, was it Ryan Andrews from Fair City. I think that's his name, isn't it? Yeah. I remember hearing back then when it was during lockdown, I think when he, when he put up the podcast, but you were only one in seven in the world with, um, with the total Amelia. And there was a woman you talked about on that podcast as a Monica or something that you, you were only one in seven and you met her or something was, you might talk to a bit about that. Yeah. So, um, I've met two people, uh, also born without limbs. So Tina was the first girl that I met. Um, and Tina is based in England. She's 12 years older than me. And as soon as I was born, someone within the Department of Health, you know, locally had heard through the grapevine that there was a girl born like me over in the UK. And if I was interested, I would I should go over and, and visit her. And my parents did that. I think my grandparents did it as well. And I think all my siblings were dragged over to the UK. Like this was this was 1980 and like no one left. No one left the barony of Duhallow, like let alone like the country. Right. My um, father's so we actually were, from Bohr. We talk about Duhallow. He's from Bohr. Yeah. Good Bohr. man. Good Bohr. Oh. man. <laughs> um so yeah like i mean we went over um i was only jesus i was only a couple of weeks i was only a couple of months i'd say at that time um and tina i suppose literally she physically looks like me you know we have the exact same length shoulders 
Um, she's a little bit bigger than me. Um, if she's listening, I hope she doesn't mind me saying that. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, like she's she's definitely stronger, you know, than than what I would be. Um, and just looking at her, looking at how she was able to pick up food, you know, pick up a drink, you know, like do different things like that. I suppose it gave my parents the foundation, you know, for me to to learn how to do things, learn how to write, learn how to type, uh, learn how to live. I suppose as independent as I can. Um, and that was basically Tina. Monica, then we were introduced to as well over in the UK. Monica is kind of the, the badass of the group, really. Um, she's Australian. She shark dives and she paints for a living. So Boy. she's yeah, yeah. So she's as left field, you know, as you could possibly get out of people born without limbs. And uh, yeah, she actually showed me how she shark dives. She went in um, to the tank over in. I think it was an aquarium over in London. I was eight years old at the time, and she told me that she was going to do it. And I was like, yeah, sure. Like, Dream okay. On. Yeah, and next thing, she was attaching herself onto someone, and the two of them went down under, and she was just inside with the sharks, and it was just really cool. I remember she used to always joke that, like, there was nothing of her for the sharks to get at, so <laughs> she always felt safe with them, and I was like, yeah, it's probably true. Um, but, yeah, so she's she's definitely cooler. She's, she's well in her, I think she's in her late 50s, 60s now. Really? Um, and she's like myself. She has scoliosis, um, the same curvature of the spine as I do. And oh, I really? Do you have scoliosis? I do, yeah. I have scoliosis. Hashtag scoli for life. Um, <laughs> and like her now, I have a titanium rod. Um, she was fused, actually, so she can only um, move her head, and that's how she paints. She puts Boy. a paintbrush in her mouth. And that's where I learned how to type, basically, was from watching her, because I knew I would have to do the same, you know, the same thing as her. Um, and that's basically how I type. I put a pen in my mouth, and I bang away on the keys. Um, I'm and the I can same. Type. I have a, a oh, little you're the same. stick here. Uh, your dentist obviously loves you way more than he loves yeah. you. You've got a lovely mouth guard. I don't. I literally just, I literally a pain. have the big viral. Totally, totally. Like, I mean, about six weeks ago, I was asked by the Australian Open, um, the tennis, um, would I like to interview a guy who helped them create tennis for blind people? And Go like... Ahead. You know, I mean, you're the same as me. Like, we only know our needs and our, yeah. like, what our respective capabilities. And I was like, this is interesting. Um, and basically what they do is they just use the Hawkeye technology to follow the ball. Um, and they do a series of, like, bleeps and bloops. So, like, a bloop um, meant it hit the baseline. A bleep meant it was a serve. You know, different things like that. And blind people were able to tune into, you know, commentary, say, like, on Radio Kerry. Um, they were able to tune in on the commentary and just listen and the person would be talking and they'd have the bleeps and the bloops um, and the person who's blind would know who's hitting what, how they're hitting it, backhand, forehand, baseline, not a baseline, like just really like fascinating kind of stuff. Um, but like you said, like I only know how to do things my way and I'm learning all the time constantly about what I'm able to do. Um, you know, I like I do yoga and Pilates every day as an example. I haven't worked out today, spoiler alert. Um, but um, you know, I'm excuse. Blame Ian, blame Ian. <laughs> I'm, I'm blaming Ian. Um, but you know, like that, I'm able to see like what my body can do like every single day. Like, and it, and it just blows my mind, you know, completely yeah. like what, what, what it is capable of doing. Um, but I think it just goes back to having that openness and I'm not even going to say like a pride in your body because I think that's a bit excessive but I think it's about the ability to challenge yourself time and time absolutely again. yeah yeah um yeah and I think if you're if you know and I think it's about challenging others as well like you know around us like I saw on Twitter over the weekend you were doing a workout um yeah. and I was like really interested in in that you know and I know my yoga teacher texted me straight away and she was like that's so cool so automatically now Ian you've trumped me in terms of like she thinks you're much cooler than I am <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to have a workout together someday three of us 
Oh my God. Yeah. Jesus. Could you imagine? Do you, I was going to say, you probably are more into like, you're definitely much more into strength based stuff. Whereas I'm not like, I couldn't lift anything in a month of Sundays. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm, I'm focusing more like my left arm. I can bring it up, say when I'm lying down, I can bring it up to like scratch my eye or something yeah. or like see the way you're able to push your glasses up like that. It's things mm-hmm. like that, that I can do with my left arm. Whereas my right arm is a way, it's a way, um, I suppose weaker but when I had my accident I call I could move when I was on the ground was my eyes and then slowly my neck came and then I started physio I go up to to Cork twice a week and I I focus on my arm strength and stuff but it's I suppose like you know myself and yourself there's so much that we can't do but then there's so much that we can focus on and doing and even just from talking to you now the last few minutes I can tell that you're you're competitive and that you want to improve yourself every day. Like do you say yoga now when you done that your first time, that was obviously going outside your, your comfort zone. Do you like to challenge yourself? Yeah, totally. Um, you know, it's funny you even say competitive because sometimes I kind of get myself into like trouble. Like I remember I was invited to a football for all conference um, with the GA and I was like, I was like messaging James. I was like, I think I could kick like a 45. And he was like, you can. And I was like, but I, I definitely think I can. And he was like, no. <laughs> and I can. <laughs> but like, in what world would like, you know, like a normal person, let alone someone out lives, be like calling out an inter-county footballer, footballer of the year and be like, I think I can do this. Okay. And he was like, you can't, you can't. He was like, just accept defeat. And I was like, no. Um, and I remember um, they set up like these like cones, like kind of co- like cones in a bag, like at the end. So like they were all like kind of putting the ball in the bag. But it was in Crow Park, right? So, like, it's Boy. very rare you could be in Crow Park and be on the grass, let alone in a wheelchair. Like, my dad is, like, mad into grass. So, like, immediately my dad was like, you can't go on the grass. Like, you wreck the bitch. <laughs> I, was like, dad. I was like, dad, they're, like, allowing us. And dad was like, you were going to wreck the bitch? He was like, and I'm going to be so upset. Like, watching an All-Ireland and seeing your, like, tire tracks, like, through the middle. He was like, it's going to really bother me. Um, <laughs> so, but I remember they had, like, the bag. And I remember I said to my PA, and she was from Ratmore at the time. And I was like, Katie, I was like, I like, I think I can definitely get the ball in the bag from like really far out. And she was like, Joanne, I just, she was like, I just don't think you can. And I was like, I will. And I literally like hit it like, like a hand pass. And it just went about like four inches in front of the chair. And I was like, oh, that's You really tried. Cool. You tried. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, and I know. And I think the thing is, is that that's probably where I catch myself like too much in that if I kind of, I'm so competitive in that if my first or maybe second or third goal, I'll give myself the third goal. If it's still not as good, like I do get very frustrated with myself. Um, but I do like challenging myself. Like right now I'm taking up horse riding um, as an example. Um, I suppose I've seen I watched, that actually yeah, on your social media. I watched a heap of Paralympians, um, you know, do it and people missing limbs. And I thought that's very interesting. Um, and I suppose I was inspired because a, um, a guy was born in the 1800s, the name of uh, Arthur Murrow Kavanagh. And he was born the exact same as me. And he was very fortunate. He was born to a landowner. Um, and she was very much like, I'll hire a nurse, basically full time. You know, she had obviously the, the wealth behind her. Um, she hired a nurse, nurse full time to basically spend time with Arthur um, to like teach him how to, you know, do the same as his siblings. And he learned how to horse ride. And they made a, um, uh, what you call it, they made a saddle specifically for him. Um, it was all very interesting. And I think it just goes back to, you know, I obviously work in women in sport as well quite a bit. And they had a campaign of can't see, can't be. Um, and I remember kind of thinking like, yeah, yeah, totally. Like, 
scientifically, yeah, it makes total sense. Um, and it wasn't until I went to um, Arthur's old home, which was a castle, um, when I went to his old home and I got to see pictures of him horse riding. And I was like, actually, this would be kind of fun to do. Um, nice. Because really, like, I've never, like, walked in, like, the tr- traditional sense. Like, I've shuffled yeah. around, you know, I can do bits and pieces. And I did my first lesson. And uh, it was actually the first time my hips kind of, like, recreated the movement of walking. It was just really? so strange. I've never had that before, like 25 years and I've never walked. Um, and I thought it was really nice and really, you know, like just fluid, I think is how I'm going to like describe it. Yeah. Like you definitely, not to be kind of cheesy about it, but you definitely like transcend a little bit, you know, you definitely become like one with the horse or whatever. Um, and I always thought people would have told me that and I kind of thought they were lunatics right. entirely. I was uh, blown away. Like it's, it's crazy the way, like even they were able to adapt that saddle. And even mm-hmm. today, say technology in in people with disabilities, like even the way you can drive your chair there, and I can drive mine with my head. See the things mm-hmm. on either side of my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you find that from when you had your accident compared to now that there is a huge difference in technology and improvements? Such a huge difference. I always thought you were a chin guy. To be honest, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I no, I, I tried it, but I'm I couldn't speak when I was operating it and. True. I like to I like to be able to to leave off a roar, so that was a no go. <laughs> true, that's true, and actually that's something I never actually would have even thought of because I obviously would have never used my chin. I always use um, my left hand, yeah, um, and I have the little joystick here with me. But like you said, the technology is evolving all the time. I literally saw a wheelchair on um, Friday, um, and it was like this teeny tiny little thing. It was 140 kilos. It was very deceptive, like to look at. I didn't think it was going to be 140, and the joystick had like bluetooth function it had infrared and all this stuff and i remember my parents got that in for me when i was oh god this was 99 we moved into our house um and my parents like did up the house and i remember it cost them like thousands like i'm talking a lot of money and and i remember like it's so funny now because we take it for granted you know we pick up our phone we can call siri she'll do whatever she's got to do we obviously say hey google or whatever um and they'll do it but i remember like when i was younger that technology was like never before heard of, was only specific to people with disabilities. And now everyone can pick up our phone, do a bit of voice recognition, speech to text, whatever it is, and no one notices the difference. Whereas when I was in school, everyone was like, whoa, Joanne can do that. Like that's so Blown cool. away. And now like we just take it for granted. So I think like you said, the technology is more and more, but I think more importantly, it's becoming more accessible. Um, and I think like what I always say to people is when I do company talks or technology talks or whatever it is, I'm like, yes, fair enough. You're designing for maybe 25% of the global population, but it's not just helping the 25%. It's helping a hundred percent. Like, like what we, what me and you do are like us asking for a ramp or asking for whatever. Um, like it's not just to benefit us. Like, I think people, you know, realize that now. Like, There's people so can much see more. the absolute benefit. Yeah, like, because I mean, you know, like, what's to stop someone from going out tomorrow and, like, breaking a leg? It's so true, though. When you were on the, I think it was first that time, remember, was a big story at the time with, um, you were, you, you had a bit of a, an obsession with Indikini, I heard you saying on a few interviews, and mm-hmm. about the, the disability. I remember that was a big story at the time. Yeah, so um, in 2011, um, I was 15 at the time. Um, I had a huge obsession with Ed Kenny, still kind of do. Um, <laughs> but I remember he was in Mill Street campaigning because I think it was the first time Mill Street had put out a female um, Fine Gael candidate. So it was like big thing. She was from Mill Street and all that kind of stuff. And um, my mother knew I had the obsession. I was doing my French, my French mock at the time. 
Um, and the prince or the vice principal came in and he said, oh, your mother's after ringing. She wants to take you out, but you have your French mock. And I was like, I'm nearly done. And I actually didn't really was nearly done. Um, and he said, OK, when you're done, like you can go like it's fine. And I was like, OK, and I went out and she explained. She's like going to Kenny's in town. I know you want to like meet him for a picture, you know, blah, blah, whatever. And I was like, oh, yeah, cool. Um, so bear in mind, like I was 15 at the time and I just thought I was going for a picture. And then my dad was like, you should really probably ask him something like instead of like wasting everyone's time here. Um, because like I've taken the afternoon off work and like his work was like literally across the road from where the pictures were being taken. Um, so dad was like, you should really kind of make it all our time. Um, the fact we've all come out here just to bring you for a picture. So I basically asked him, what would he do to protect people with disabilities? Basically was the question I asked him. He said, if elected everything in his power, um, long story short, he got elected, um, made a cut to payments being made to people with disabilities. I had, um, you obviously have a Garda Youth Award. Um, I remember yeah. we were there at the time. I was after getting a Garda Youth Award from West Cork. Um, and I said to a journalist who was covering it, like I wanted to be a journalist. And um, he basically got in contact with me and he said, you should write something for the Irish Examiner. And I was like thinking like, oh, cool. Like, you know, like, what can I write? Um and I remember I was like, oh, I'll, I'll write like a letter, you know, like just basically explaining how the cut was not just going to affect me, but it was everyone like me. Thousands, you know, yeah, yeah, thousands around the country. Yeah, Um. so the letter was on the front page of the examiner, didn't expect that. Um. I'm still bitter because it's my only front page like to date. And I've, been writing, for, I've been writing for like, well, how long? Nearly six years now. So There's another 36 uh, years to come no pressure at all on me getting another front one um but yeah and then basically the cut was reversed um and you know it was it was really you know obviously it was nice to you know see and nice to have had an impact and i suppose at that time you know like when you're 15 16 17 18 um you just kind of want to be i'm not really going to say like the same as everyone else but you want to you know you're different you want to live course, a normal yeah. life you know, you want to be, um, you know, going to like discos and hanging out with your friends and going to cinema, you know, like different things like that. Um, and I can remember I was kind of propelled into like an activism spotlight that I wasn't really, I'm not going to say hugely keen on because I think that's the wrong way. But I remember just kind of be thinking, God, like I want to be kind of like everyone else, you know, like I just want to be going to the disco. Like it's tragic enough having no limbs, but now I'm especially known as the girl with no limbs, um, you know, different things like that. And I suppose then I was invited on to lay late and then the opportunity came to go over to the United Nations, you know, then after that in New York. Um, and I mean, I remember that, that actually. It was an experience like that. no other. I do feel bad if anyone's listening and they have children and they're doing their junior cert or leaving cert and I'm on it for speech writing. I do feel bad. It was never my intention to be part of a curriculum. Um, <laughs> you got the standing like, ovation at there, the United Nations, didn't you? I did, yeah. I, it was, I remember it was wild. that. It, it, was, it was, do you know what? It was sheer, um, you know, I suppose really it's a lesson of you never know who's watching slash listening, you know, to you at all. Um, a guy uh, by the name of Paul Keneally, he's from Galway. Um, he was watching it on the RTE player in Geneva at the United Nations. And he was running a women in tech conference at the time. And thankfully, I fit the bill. I'm a woman. Um, I'm interested in technology. Um, and uh, yeah, I was I was able then to go over for my 16th birthday, which was um, incredible. And I got to experience so much New York. I got to go to a Yankees uh, baseball game, which was quite go fun. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I can't uh, wait to go back to New York. I was there when I was younger. Oh, and, it's um, incredible my mom like my mom and long flights she just doesn't she's not into long flight flights so i said i'll wait now till i'm older get married and i've gone for a few months over to over to times square that's funny that's cool though i think though like it's fun like i'm going again now in april for my birthday since 10 years since i went over but i'm actually have going you traveled to a lot of places 
just out of curiosity in the in your own situation, because I know I've been to Spain and France since my accident. How would you find traveling around yourself? Traveling traveling's probably a little bit different for you, I would say, because your chair is a lot bigger than mine. Yeah. So yeah. you would probably be facing more restrictions. Like I get really annoyed when like I flew with Ryanair to Liverpool because I was going over to a Champions League game. Um and I remember they were like, Oh, your chair is too wide. And I was Liverpool like, Honey, if you... Huh? No. That's all right. The interview can continue. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you a United fan? Yeah, for my sins. Oh, miserable day at the office. Yesterday. I know. I know. I nearly I know. stood up when they were when they were losing. I nearly got at the TV. I was going mad. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, but yeah, I remember like Ryanair told me the chair was too wide. I was like, oh, honey, this chair isn't wide. Like you should see other wheelchairs. Like this yeah. chair is nothing. Um, but just there's a frustration, I think. So Everyone kind of laughs at me because I refuse to travel Ryanair basically for that sole reason they believe chairs are too wide. Um, I've traveled with Aer Lingus. I find Aer Lingus quite good um, and different things like that. But um, yeah, so I've been to Japan. um, I've been to South Africa. um, I've been to Iceland. Um, Iceland was my favorite. Um, Japan, you're actually going to laugh because Japan is quite funny because obviously the tech is so far there, right? Yeah. And I remember this little boy in a wheelchair zoomed up next to me to go on the train. And like, I don't know if you're like me, but I like looking at other wheelchairs because I like seeing the specs and, you know, seeing what they're about. You know, That's so the curiosity like, again. I'm the same. Yeah. I'm the exact same. I'd be looking so was, at everything like that. Like in the quote, what do they say? People stare, make it worth it. But I'm the same yeah. as you. Anything like in a wheelchair, anything to do with disabilities, I'm like, and they're trying to look without people seeing me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like literally like staring at this boy's like he was no older than eight, I'd say. I was like staring at her because it was lovely and dainty and slide, and I was just interested to see what it could do. And I remember it started raining, right? And I remember my dad, like, you know, probably like your dad, like struggling to get the umbrella out, like you're getting yeah. soaked. You're like, oh my God, like hurry up, get soaked. <laughs> and this boy next to me just pressed a button in his chair and an umbrella came out. And I was boy. like, I live in Ireland. Like I live in Ireland and that tech like isn't available. And I was like so impressed. And I remember he got into the train. He got out of his, um, he was able to, you know, kind of maybe walk short distances, I'd say. But he got out of the wheelchair, sat in the seat and his father picked up the chair and folded it basically into like the size of a laptop and it was able yeah. to fit into the luggage compartment it was the neatest thing i ever saw like in my life um and that was like the first time i saw actually to be honest that was the first time i saw another person in a wheelchair in japan That's um, mental. But it was it was it was so good to see like and i think um there's also like a really like wild story like i remember when i got there um have you heard of the like notorious like coffin rooms is what they're called yeah i thought i was going to actually yeah. ask you there yeah, it yeah, came so into my head I got booked in to sleep in a coffin room and obviously the chair doesn't fit into a coffin room um, because you literally can just walk in and walk out and that's it. And me and my friend went down and we were like, oh, like, I'm really sorry, but like the room won't work, you know, like blah, blah. And she was very helpful and she was like, oh, like I'll upgrade you to like a suite. And I was like, oh, sweet. I was like, God, this is going to cost a fortune, Um, like straight away. And she was like, oh, like, it's very expensive, you know, like, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, God, like, how much is that? And she was like, oh, it's three euro extra a night. And I was like, yeah that's fine so we booked the suite anyway and it was just like a normal like say probably like a normal room what we're used to kind of here in ireland like a double room um but i remember there was a knock on the door and i remember it was a guy he like leaflets and we thought it was like sightseeing at the city you know like blah blah like all that kind of stuff and uh i remember we we opened a couple of the pages and we we're like oh we can go to this temple we can go to that temple and my friend was like what's this year like at the back and it was just a, like it was just a lot of like naked men and women like on the temple. 
were like, what's this about? And I remember like I opened it and I was like, I think this is for like prostitution. And we were like, that's kind of funny. And I remember we came down. I said it to the person who was with us, like our like aide or our guide at the time. I was like, we got this pamphlet, you know, like what's this about? And she just broke down hysterics. And she was like, you got to she was like, the room you're in is called a service room. Um, and basically, like, it's where you go to. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I was in that for like a week and I never got anything. <laughs> for your three-year upgrade. Yeah, I was like, this is mad. I was like, this is so funny. Um, but it was it was really interesting. Like, I was like, damn. I was like, this is wild. But yeah, Japan was fun. Um, South Africa was interesting. South Africa is really funny because they they don't care about you missing limbs. Because obviously, given like years of like kind of colonization, wars, and stuff yeah. like that, like they see it all the time. Um, they were just more interested that I had blonde hair, blue eyes. Like people were coming up to me asking for pictures, literally because I, I'm I'm blonde now because I got my hair dyed. But I was very blonde, especially because it was really warm over there. Yeah. Um, and obviously, my blue eyes were really like bright as well. And I remember just nonstop people coming over, can we take a picture? Can we Are take a serious? picture? And I I thought it was because I had no limbs, and I said it to the woman who was with us. I was like, why are they asking me for a picture? And she was like, oh, I'll just ask them. And they were like, we've never seen anyone with blonde hair, blue eyes, like in our lives. And because I'm really pasty as well, you know. It it's only when you top. think about it, though. I don't think I've yeah. ever, because we used to take Japanese students when I was younger. And like, mm-hmm. now do you say it? Like, I, blonde hair, like, it's, you just don't see it in Japan. Even in no. movies, like, and stuff, it just doesn't. No, it's, mad. it's funny. It's funny. Yeah, they were obsessed. They were obsessed. And I remember in Japan, my friend uh, who's with me, Lucy, um, she had pink and blue hair at the time and she's quite tall and statuesque um, and then people were asking her for pictures everywhere we went um, just every time again they didn't care they they're so used to seeing people probably you know you're just one of the same over in Japan and South Africa yeah. you know if you got a disability whereas um, over there it was just like uh, you know blonde hair blue eyes never seen that before interesting um, Iceland I was saying it to someone recently Iceland was the only place I felt actually at home because they didn't care that I had no limbs and they didn't care I had blonde hair blue eyes it was like meeting like cousins I am um, I remember reading there a few it was a few years ago did you do a, a talk for the Kerry team what words of encouragement did you give them firstly they won the All-Ireland so I that's it. it will you right? come back and again this year and tell them tell them again listen I think they're gonna be fine I think they're gonna be fine this year I uh it's, it's, it's mad because um, people always ask me like, oh, like how come you know a lot of the Kerry boys and one I'd know obviously True Legion and seeing them all play uh, club action or whatever. Um, it's mad. Like I'm able to probably tell you more about some of the Kerry players than I would be about some of the Cork lads just because just the disconnect has kind of happened now all of a sudden. Yeah. But, um, but I've worked with Keith, Keith Ricken actually in the in Cork. I actually went to a school. But to go back to your question, um, I think basically you have to type in, this goes back to human behavior and I suppose psychology. You have to go into what inspires, you know, everyone, like everyone is incredibly different. Um, I think a lot of people, I think with the Kerry team specifically at that time, um, they weren't really lacking motivation. I don't think that was really it. Um, Cause it was what, geez, it's actually nearly 10 years ago. Now I'm even thinking about it. I think what Eamon Fitzmaurice wanted specifically, and I could be putting words in his mouth. He probably would say different himself, probably they wanted a distraction from football probably more than anything else they probably wanted someone else to come in just to generally talk and have the bands i was probably the wrong person because i'm still mad about football anyway so probably the wrong person really to bring in um and then they let me watch the training session you know they let me you know do bits and you know stand around and then stare and take pictures of players and um i remember eamon gave me a signed jersey and i remember uh in only the way eamon fitzmaurice can tell you 
uh, it's not green and gold because I know you wouldn't wear it. So <laughs> here's the training top instead. And I remember just like, I mean, literally. The voice, the voice, you took him off to a tea. There's only like, he only, like he's a gift man. I literally was texting one of the producers in RT and I was like, that man is a gift. Like you have to treasure him. I was yeah. like, because there's only specific ways he can deliver something. And he's one of those people that strikes me as he doesn't find himself funny and he doesn't understand why we all find him funny. But um, yeah, they basically were looking for a distraction at the time. I've done other team talks, you know, where um, a lot of them would kind of talk about resilience. Resilience is a big one that comes up a lot, especially with ladies football teams, you know, how to overcome uh, hurdles and struggles and obstacles and stuff like that. Um, and I think you just have to find what works for you. What works for me is um, embracing the bad day and just having it. Um, meditation is a huge thing that I do all the time, just clearing yeah. out the brain. Um, and I think just acknowledging that, yes, we're all entitled to have thoughts and feelings, but they don't have to like consume us, you know, like um, the way some of us make them consume us, you know. Definitely. Um, another, just before we go out on two or three more, I don't want to be taking up your your, your day. Um, I'm enjoying it. I've, I've nothing else planned for the day, so I'm I'm happy out. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you, like before, I know people, some people kill me, but I'm... Obviously, I don't want to be in this situation, but I'm, I'm just as happy now as I was before my accident. Like this life that, like I've, I've met people that I wouldn't have met or opportunities. Like I've achieved more since my accident than than I would have in my whole life before. But I think two of us are very similar in in the sense of we both have a good sense of humor, and like I'm able to take the mick out of myself, and and you're you've a witty sense of humor as well. Do you think that's in important for to take a distraction off your I suppose if you've bad days to have a bit of a a laugh about yourself do you do you find that is that fair to say I think so um I think as well like that 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 shows there's like a security and I think and a confidence in us that we're not going to take it you know like too seriously you know like obviously you know, you and I are the same in that, yes, we can laugh about ourselves, but we also take it very seriously when we can't go into the bar like the rest of our friends yeah, yeah. in the way, you know, and I think we both know there's a time and a place to kind of use the humor, you know, in that situation. Um, you know, I would probably use it to break the ice maybe kind of more than anything, yeah. um, especially if I'm doing school talks and stuff like that. Like, I know you're going to laugh, but I remember like the first time I met you, I think it was actually could have been at a Legion game. And like, I was a little bit starstruck because you were like, I was like, oh my God, like I'd been following your story from afar. Really? You know, I remember like texting the boys, you know, like being like, I, I wanted to help, but I didn't know how. And I remember we were kind of like, it's probably best if we just like leave that, not leave you to it. But we were like, yeah, you know, yeah. Like, I remember saying to them, he's probably like learning how to, live life again I was like so it's better if we just don't like crowd him and different things like that and I still remember like I think a couple of the boys did fundraiser for you and different yeah, things and I was, everyone, I was just they're... blown away by I remember hearing like your story being kind of blown away and I remember thinking like Jesus like that's someone now who you know like that's resilience personified because for me I've lived my life without limbs like I know yeah. I know what I am and I know different things whereas you've had to relearn I always found it really like interesting and fascinating and just going, I suppose, really just going back to a human behavior thing. And I remember I, I'd seen you at the game and I think it wasn't very long after your accident. It was kind of soon enough, I remember. Um, it was in Legion, was it? I think it was I think it was in Fitzgerald Stadium. I think Legion were playing Karens at the time and I think maybe someone else was playing after and I think your dad had just kind of brought you out. And Spa I were playing after. Your, your I think dad so, on yes. There. I remember. Been playing. Yeah. yeah. And I remember like my dad was like straight away was like, oh, his dad's a horrible man. And I was like, oh. yeah, I know that, but like, 
come on like i remember like kind of talking and i was like god i hate when people do this like to me like about me so like why am i doing it to him i remember you passed and i was like oh hi Ian. and you were just like hi and i was like that was like why do you look like you've literally spoken to like lebron james and i was like i don't know <laughs> um but yeah like i was just always kind of interested you know from your side because you've you've acquired it you've had to kind of relearn whereas i've always kind of had no limbs and i remember kind of saying as well to a couple of the boys like there was no point to me coming in like pontificating to you that life is going to be okay and and this and that yeah. because you know you had to relearn things and i think as i said i followed your story all the time and you 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 now use humor and if i see you at a game i always say hi even though legion are never going well when i see you at a game as soon as i see ian i'm like legion are going to go well <laughs> um but no like as you said i think it just goes back to like you just had to like learn your body learn how to accept yourself and the um, time and a place for it like yeah but at the same time we both have friends and good core stability around us where we're able to have people who know when and when and how is kind of the right time and you know like I don't know about you but you know I've definitely would have had you know I have a, a friend and she's brown and she's Muslim and we often would have conversations about like identity and you know not wanting to be different wanting to be the same but understanding that we're different you know and stuff Absolutely. like that you know and i think it's just i think we're both i think me and you are both very similar that way i mean there is yeah. only half an hour between us Ian. so exactly like, the the day, exactly. like we are pretty much cut from the same cloth i think exactly so that, yeah humor is handy and i think it definitely gets you in and out of a couple of situations you know like for sure i'm surprised the carry footballers haven't brought you in you're definitely cooler than i am uh, I, i'll have to get on to them so Jacko, this isn't what are you good doing? actually don't bring ian in because actually when cork are playing carry in the monster semi-final cork need to win to not be in the talent cup so actually no ian stay away i know how we <laughs> determine it right me and you either side of the post and we've a race up and back down the pitch two of us how, how fast can your chair go before i enter into I, this 10 kilometers i think but i'll have to get it to go i don't know i don't I know what i fancy my chances against you Joanne. I'll have to get new wheels. I got new front wheels, but the back ones need to be done now. So burning rubber. Um, yeah, yeah, burning rubber. So wait, like when you move your chair, how do you go forward? Do you, how do you lean? So to go side to side, it's them two side things, and then yeah. see the headrest at the back. To go yep. back, I just hold my head against it. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, one more question, the last one before before we finish up, because I know that my. My parents mean everything to me since my accident and stuff and even seeing matches with your dad and stuff and in any interviews you kind of include them. Would you be where you are today without the support of, say, family and friends and your parents? Definitely not. And I think, as you probably know, since your accident, everyone has a specific role you know, like in your life that they kind of accidentally take up. You'll always have the friend, like even among say my siblings and, and my brothers. So like Dennis and Danny are my two eldest brothers. They're always the ones who take me out, cinema, concerts, whatever's going on. They'd be the ones who take me out. Um, Stephen was always the one that I'd go to for, you know, um, if I needed ramps or I don't know, yeah. some step was there or whatever. Um, and Jillian's obviously my sister. So Jillian's, you know, like kind of girly stuff, you know, different things like that. And then my parents were obviously like the, ridiculous driving force and I suppose molders you know behind us who've shaped us into you know I suppose what we are today um and I think it's just interesting how your dynamics change with people if you have a disability like automatically yeah. you become much closer in them because I suppose you're a bit like me as well in that you're very independent but you're also dependent on someone being there absolutely all the time, yeah just absolutely like I always say like about my PAs they must have the most boring job in the world because they wait for me to call you know yeah. whereas 
you know, and I think they're, you know, they're so used to not living like that. They're kind of like, what the hell? Yeah. Um, but yeah, like my parents, they bring me everywhere. You know, they, they do everything. I suppose they're the backbone, you know, they're the, they're the driving forces really, I suppose, behind as to who I am. And probably like yourself, yes, we have disagreements on how things should be done. Yes, there are days where I have literal nervous breakdowns at them because they're telling me to do something and I don't want to do it and they won't take, I have no limbs or whatever it is for an answer. Um, but even I think like kind of around that, you know, our, our family's grown dramatically. We I have nieces and nephews now. Um, yeah. as an example so it's interesting to see them and how they kind of work with the chair and seeing their dynamics I know a couple of them um a couple of them don't like other people fumbling around me because they've grown up all their lives with me so they're like it's just Joanne yeah, like, yeah. why can't you just give her the plate in a restaurant like we do you know and they're only like four and three you know so um it's interesting to see like how they're growing up and interesting to see how they're behaving um I know Kylie, one of my other nieces, she had a girl in her class, or sorry, a boy in her her class, um, and he was blind. And all the children were like, mm, we can't really include him in hide and seek, like, or oh, tag, or tip the can. And Kylie was like, yes, we can. And Kylie went over and caught him by the arm and dragged him. Now, she's stubborn enough that she would do that, whereas I now would be probably the one standing going, oh, should we ask him? I I'll ask him. But if he says no, like, that's going to be it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, my parents are, are great. And I obviously see you, your dad, and you see me with my dad. Do you ever find that it's really funny? I don't know if your dad is, like, the one who takes you everywhere. But a lot yeah. of people forget about my mom. Because yeah. she just doesn't do things, you know. But I assume, like, your mom, like, she does the personal stuff. Yeah, exactly. Know? Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's funny, that dynamic, isn't it? Like, how it's people amazing. are just, like, yeah. Like, but everyone always... My mother always says that like people must think she's either like dead or I'm adopted because you know so I was like oh me and my dad are going to a game or me and my dad are doing this. We're <laughs> similar that way. Um, come here, Joanne. Thanks so much for for agreeing to come on, and I really appreciate that chat. Now we we covered a load and we had a bit of crack as well during it, so I appreciate Absolutely. you coming on, and I know that the the listeners will will enjoy it. I can't wait to like see you like do things because as I said, I've always been interested in like how Ian does things. I also can't believe you got a lovely mouth guard. Um, my dentist yeah. hates me clearly. <laughs> I'll have to get on to her for you. Thanks a million, Ian. Really, really appreciate, appreciate it. the time. Hopefully Thanks I'll so see much. you soon anyway. Absolutely. You're listening to Stand Out with Ian O'Connell. Wednesday evenings from 8pm here on Radio Kerry.